I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a story I heard of a pastor who was asked to speak at a church, and uh, he got up to speak. And I guess afterwards, you know, when you're greeting people, you know, he wanted to make sure his breath smelled nice. So there's this cup of mints, and he grabbed a mint, put it in his mouth, walked back there, didn't think nothing of it. Well, the next night, the same meeting was going on, and he was watching the up front. Everybody always watches up what's going on. And the main speaker would grab a mint, put it in his mouth, suck on it, and put it in that cup. So he was just taking used mints from the other guys. So when you said that, Pastor, I was like, do I really want to risk this? <laughs> No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we gained something. I don't know about knowledge, but we gained something. But uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for allowing us to be here and present. And thank you for the meal. It was delicious. And uh, so grateful for the opportunity to be here. Pastor, thank you. It's been great getting to meet you guys and, um, you know, getting to know you all. Thank you for allowing us to come. And uh, we're so grateful for that. And I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 this afternoon. And I know how it is with an afternoon message after lunch. Very hard sometimes, all right? So bear with me. I'm, I try not to be too long-winded, but that's hard for an independent Baptist preacher. But um, try not to be too long. Uh, but thank you for the opportunity. And um, I really didn't get the chance to really share. We do have prayer cards on the back. Um, they were out in our RV <laughs> this morning. We had a really busy morning. And uh, so we, they are back there. We also have a sign-up sheet if you'd be interested in putting your email down, and we can keep you guys updated um, where we're at with our travels, how we've been going. We've been on the road now for a month, and the Lord has blessed us. We're at 13% of our support raised. So the Lord's been really good to us already. We're praising him for that, and so we appreciate you guys' prayers. We love this church. We've been here several times, and it's encouraging to come back, like I said this morning, and see familiar faces. And um, you don't realize how much of it is an encouragement to seeing you guys being faithful. And I know your pastor appreciates that, but it's always a testimony um, just to see the growth, even of the young people from camp. Um, I have stories of Jacob the first time he came to camp to now. And um, that's the Lord. Amen. His parents are like, amen. <laughs> but no, we, we love you guys and so grateful for you all and um, looking forward and we're praying with you. And um, we know God's got great things in store for you guys here in the future. And I love the statement, I can't remember if it was William Carey or somebody that said, you know, the best is yet to come. And um, the best is yet to come for this church. God's got great things in store, and we're excited to see how he's going to use you all in a great way. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 is what we're going to go with our text with this afternoon. And this is something that uh, was given to me by a pastor that's been in the ministry for 50 years. And I uh, was just sitting down with him, and he was sharing his heart and um, knowing that we're going to be a church planting. And I just want to share with you guys something that God's been working in my heart about. And um, I'm so grateful uh, for men of the faith that have stood faithfully. And it's easy to take them for granted, um, especially when you see them and get to know them. It's, uh, but this is something that God's worked in my heart. And we all know that Hebrews chapter 11 is the Hall of Faith chapter. Um, has all these great men and women of the faith. They were not perfect, but they were men and women that loved God and lived in obedience to his word. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And as we're talking about faith this afternoon, we find in Hebrews 11, verse 1, is the definition. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. And if you want to know who you place your faith in, you go to Hebrews 12, 2, where it simply says, looking unto Jesus. That's faith in a nutshell. That's what faith is. It is things we have not seen, um, but we are hoping for. And um, John Wesley, who was the one that started and founded the Methodist movement, him and his brother, and they were known as Methodists because of their methodology, how they lived their lives. George Whitfield was part of that group. A lot of these men at Oxford Bible College. And one day they were talking about faith and how to define it and going into depth about it. And a Christian lady walked by and John Wesley said, Sister, how would you define faith? And this is what she said. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. And what I want to encourage all of us with this this afternoon is living a life of faith. And we're going to talk about Noah and his life, how he lived that life. But I want to remind you, and I'm going to remind this the whole way through. Faith is taking God at his word and acting upon it. When you think about salvation, how do we come to know Christ as our Savior? You take God at his word and you act upon it. When the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where does that come from? That's faith. What are you doing? You're taking God at his word, and you're saying, This is what he said, and I'm going to act upon it. And it's a temptation as a believer, I think even the longer we're saved, to kind of think, Well, I'm going to take him at his word, but I don't really see some things here, so I don't really know if this is what I really should do. But we have to be reminded that God has called us to live a life of faith. He's called, to get, he's called us and said, you just need to trust me and take me at my word of what I told you to do. And the first thing we'll find is found here in verse 7 where it says, By faith, Noah being warned of God. And the first thing I want to talk about is the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is God's word. Our foundation is not found in what Daniel Grover says. It's not found in what Pastor says. Our foundation is found in this book and taking God at his word. When you read back into Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, Noah's life, what's going on at the time, he's in a lot of the time period we're in today, just a lot of wickedness. The Bible says that there were violence. There was just a lot of things going on at that point. Men had turned their back on the creator God. Sounds familiar today. And they were just living according to how they wanted to live. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were just living in awful wickedness. And it got to the point where it hurt the Lord. It grieved God, it says, to create man. Think about that. The crowning jewel of God's creation, it grieved him. And it got to that point where God said, you know what? I'm just going to annihilate all of mankind. I'm getting rid of all of them. But when you read in that chapters, those chapters, you find that God said that Noah was a righteous man that walked with God. And when God comes to Noah, God simply says this. This is what I want you to do. There's a flood coming. There's things coming. You're going to have to build an ark. And you're going to have to build this big ark, and this is where we're going to put all the creatures in. Now, we take for granted what happens in that time because we have rain. We have oceans. We have water sources. We're used to seeing water. But before the flood, it is believed that they didn't have rain. They didn't have a lot of water sources like that. So what did Noah have to do? Noah had to believe God's word and act upon it. Don't go off of what you see. It's not what you see. It is what he said. Don't go off of what you see. 
go off of what he said. And when we are living our lives, it's easy to go off of what we see and not what he said. Talking about pastor this morning, I appreciate he was talking about winning people to Christ. You know, it's easy to go off of what you see when you door knock, isn't it? These people come to the door, they slam the door in your face, and you think, man, what, what in the world what just happened? Don't go off of what you see, go off of what he said. I think of Lindsay and I when we stepped out by faith for deputation and um, just a month ago, and we were praying about an RV situation, and we thought, man, this would be great. Um, Lindsay has seizures off and on with Winston being four months old. Um, we have a dog, so we have a lot of things going. We thought, man, this would be great if we could get an RV, if this is God's will. We went to three RV dealerships. At the end of it all, pretty much they said, with you being a missionary, no steady source of income, and no house, you're not getting an RV. And that there's no way a bank's going to take it on you. And so we thought, okay, well, maybe this isn't what God's will is. A week and a half after that, a man came up to us after a church service and said, I have an RV that's not been used for four years. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to keep making the payments. You just take it. And I want to say this as a testimony. Don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said. And that's just one small thing we've seen God do since we've started deputation. Every time I walk out there and see it, that's God. But it's easy to step out and to think, what's going to happen? Friend, don't act off of what you see. Go off of what he has said. The foundation of faith is God's word. What gets us in trouble with our Christian life is we move that foundation to something or someone else and we think this is the answer. Why did Noah, for 120 years, being mocked by mankind, build a boat, build an ark, where it had never been seen before, where it wasn't something that was normal? Why did Noah do that? Because he didn't go off of what he saw. He went off of what, he, what was said. It was God that said, you need to build the ark. And friend, when you and I step out by faith and God says, hey, I want you to do this, don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said and build that foundation. I made it a principle in my life that if I'm going to make a major decision, I'm going to let the word of God speak to me about it and go off of that word. Because we live in a day and age where people go off of all these other things, go off of what he said. We see, secondly, not only the foundation of our faith, which is God's word, but we see, secondly, the future of faith. In verse 7, it continues on, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Friend, we have not seen eternity yet. You know why we live and do what we do as believers? Because we're living for eternity. At least we should be. Why go out and soul win to people that are going to say, you know what, I don't really want this. I don't really need this in my life. Because we're not looking for now. We're looking for what's to come. We're living for the eternal. Why go to a town of Libby, Montana, where it's had difficult places, it's had all these things? Because we're living for eternity. There are souls that God has died for there that need the gospel. Why do we be a gospel witness? Why do we raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Because we are not living for now. We're living for eternity. There's a story of a school teacher, a Bible teacher in Bible college, that back in the day had the old chalkboards. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you young kids don't know what I'm talking about. But they had chalkboards, and it was six long, huge chalkboards. And it said he came into class one day and grabbed a piece of chalk and drew a line all through all six chalkboards all the way across. And he said, this is what eternity is like. It has no beginning, has no end. 
It started way beyond these chalkboards, and it's going to go way beyond. And he grabbed that chalk, and right in the middle, he put a little dot of chalk, and he said, this is, this is your life. This is life right now. And he grabbed that little piece of chalk, put his thumb on it, had all these chalk spectacles on it, and he said, one little spectacle is you. And he asked this question, are you going to live for the line? Are you going to live for this little dot? What are you going to live for? And he blew on it. And he said, you're either going to live for this little spectacle of chalk, or you're going to live for the line of eternity. And I have a question for all of us. Are we going to live for that little spectacle of chalk, or are we going to live for all of eternity? Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Friend, we know what's going to happen in eternity. We know that one day we're all going to stand before God as Christians. We're going to have a personal account for what we've done with the time we've been given. But we also know that every other person that doesn't know Christ is going to stand before God as well. What are we living for? I'll be the first to admit, it's easy to live for now, isn't it? We live in the most blessed nation on earth. And if you don't think we're blessed, you need to go to a third world country. It'll change your mind quick. I've been in a place where all they had was a fridge and a cell phone. I don't know why, but people have cell phones everywhere. But that's all they had. And that's how they lived. Friend, we've been blessed. But I'm afraid with the blessings of being an American comes the temptation to live for the temporal. Comes the temptation to be self-absorbed. We're a self-absorbed nation this morning. Can I say that? That's who we are. We're so consumed with self. But what God is looking for is men and women like Noah that are not going to live for here and now, they're going to live for eternity. You know why Noah built the ark? He built it for eternity. He built it because God called him to do it, and he said, I'm going to act upon it, and I'm going to, be the, I'm going to follow God no matter what. The things not seen as yet. Don't let feelings be at the top of the list for living for eternity. We are in a feelings-type world today, aren't we? How, whoever I want to be with today, that's who I'm going to be with. It's all based on feelings. How I feel today is how I'm going to live. No, friend, don't live off of feelings. Live off of eternity. What, why God used Noah in such a great way is because he was moved to action, even with things not seen as yet. Remember, it's not what we see. It's what he said. God has said there is an eternity. And whether or not mankind acknowledges that as a whole doesn't matter. Because it's God's word. Don't go off of what we see. Go off of what he said. We see the foundation of our faith. It's found in the word of God. The future of faith is eternity. We see thirdly. The fruit of faith. If you continue on it says this. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness. Which is by faith. Noah stepped out by faith. And because he did that. He was able to become heir of the righteousness of God. You know, the reason we're heirs of righteousness of God today as believers is because we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not heirs of righteousness because of who we are, what we've done. We're heirs of righteousness today. The fruit of that, the fruit of faith, is because of what Jesus Christ did. Noah was able to have the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of faith, because he believed God at his word and took it at face value, and obeyed it. I want to give you three examples of faith in the Bible. 
If you remember the disciples when Christ calls them in Luke 8 to go across in the boat, they go across in the boat and they encounter a storm. Many of us are familiar with this story. And they come across in the boat and they're going across and the storm hits so big that all of them really fear that they're going to die. Well, may I remind you, as long as God's in your boat, you're, you're not sinking. What they forgot was that Christ was in the boat with them. They obeyed, they got in the boat, they followed him. But there's a question that Christ asks them at the end of that, all that. When he calms the storm, he asks, where is your faith? You see, the fruit of faith can be defined first with no faith at all. What happened with those men? They lost faith. They had no faith. They thought they were going to die. As a matter of fact, if you read that, they cry out and say, Master, Master, we perish. They had no faith that God was going to help them get through that storm. The fruit of faith, number one, can be found in people that have no faith. When we encounter storms in our life, is the first thing we cry out is, Master, Master, we perish? Or do we believe that the Master that's with us will get us through any storm? See, these disciples had an opportunity to trust God through that storm. I believe this with all my heart. If they wouldn't have wakened Christ, they would have still gone to the other side, maybe even in the midst of the storm. Why? Because God was with them. Their master wasn't going to leave them. Yet how often time do we encounter things in our lives and we go, master, master, we perish. Man, it's a temptation, isn't it? I'm not going to come up here and say I haven't done that. I have done that. There's been times in my life where I thought, man, I ain't going to make it through this. And I've begun to realize that that's not faith. God requires of us to trust him. Like I said, don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said. If you read in Luke 8, Christ says, we're going to the other side. He already said they were going to make it. Yet what happens when the storm comes? We're done, Lord. Oh, we're over. Friend, don't go off of what you see. Go off of what you said. You see example of little faith. You find it with Peter walking on the water. One of my favorite stories. Peter had faith at the beginning, didn't he? Christ is coming out to him after praying. I think it's a ghost, and they scream. Um, you know, I always thought fishermen were tough. But the more you read about these men, you're like, man, they're just as human as I am, you know? Because, I mean, the, I would probably scream too, or I'd probably hop on the other side of the boat and swim the other direction, amen? But here's Christ walking on the water, and Peter says, bid me to come, Lord. What does he do? He gets out of the boat, and he walks. But I don't know at what point in time, but there comes a point in time where Peter begins to do what? He begins to look. And he begins to what? Sink. Cries out to the Lord, and what does the Lord have to do? Come, pick him up, and carry him back to the boat. Peter had faith, but he had little faith. Because God didn't want him just to get however far out he got there. Christ wanted him to go all the way out, come all the way back in. But what happened? Peter went off of what he saw. Not what he said. Not what Christ said. Christ said, come. Christ said, you can make it. Christ said, keep your eyes on me, pretty much. You'll be fine. But what does he do? He gets caught up in the circumstances. And how oftentimes do we get out in the boat by faith, and maybe we get a little ways, and then we begin to really think, wow, humanly speaking, this should not be happening. Why are these waves lapping up around me? What am I to do now? Friend, keep your eyes on Christ. Because it's not what you see, it's what he said. 
Christ wanted Peter to go all the way with him and back. But because he had little faith, he wasn't able to see all of what God wanted to do. And yet how oftentimes has God called us, bids us to come, and we get out in the water and we think, hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Lord. And we begin to sink. Thirdly, the fruit of faith is great faith. And we find that with the great centurion. You come to that passage of scripture, you find that Christ is out healing people and the centurion comes to him and says, I have a servant that is sick. And Christ says, well, I'll come to him. But what does the centurion say? All you have to do, Lord, is speak it. And I'll believe and he'll be healed. And what does Christ say? I've not seen no great faith as this in all of Israel. You know why? Because he didn't go off of what he saw. He went off of what Christ said. He knew all Christ had to do was speak and his servant would be healed. And by the way, the servant was healed that same hour, the Bible says. He runs back, figures out the time, exact time he was talking to Christ. That's what great faith looks like, friend. It doesn't go off of the circumstances. The centurion easily could have said, you come with me, right? You come with me. I'm going to watch you heal him, and we're going to be good. No, the centurion had faith that he was standing before God. He knew who he was, and he said, all you have to do is speak it, and it's done. And, friend, God's given us a word that has been spoken, and it's done. And what he's requiring us is to live a life of faith and to say, Lord, what you say is what I'm going to live upon. It's not what I see. It's not what everybody else sees. It's what you said, and that's what I'm going to act upon. God is looking for Christians with great faith. And I'm not talking about going across the world to some remote jungle somewhere. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about tomorrow when you're in the middle of a workplace and something is going on. Go off of, don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said. That's great faith. And that man got to see the power of God. Turn, if you would, would, with me to Luke 17. And this is where we're going to close this afternoon. Luke 17, and talking about the fruit of faith. Many of us are familiar with this, this story, um, this encounter that God has with these ten lepers. And in Luke chapter 17, we'll begin reading verse 11. Now I want to kind of take a little bit of a different thought on this. Many people refer to this and kind of talk about Thanksgiving, how one man came back to say thanks. But... What I want to talk about in this passage is the faith of these lepers. Because in Luke 17, verse 11, the Bible says this, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten, ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Oftentimes we talk about this passage of thanksgiving, remembering. But what I want to talk about this afternoon is the fact that the faith of these men to step out and do what God had told them to do. If you read in the Old Testament and the laws and all these things, when somebody had leprosy, they were to go outside of the camp, until they were healed. And once they were healed, deemed healed, they were to make themselves presentable unto the priests, and the priest would officially say, you've been cleansed of the leprosy. What Christ tells these men to do 
is go show yourself to the priests and you're going to be healed on the way. That's pretty much in essence what he's saying. Christ does not heal these men right then and there. What does he say? Go show yourselves unto the priest. That's exactly what Christ says. What do those men do? They didn't act upon what they saw. Because if they were still acting upon what they saw, they were what? Still leprous. At some point, I believe it was immediately, they stepped out and went to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Friend, if you want to talk about great faith, that's great faith right there. Now, maybe they, well, they should have come back and glorified God, but what were they doing? They were not acting upon what they saw. They were acting upon what he said. These men took God at his word and said, okay, if this is what we're supposed to do, we're going to go do it. And as they walked down there, and I don't know how far it was for them to go to the priest, but as they walked, they were healed. Friend, that's what great faith looks like. They easily could have said this in verse 15, said, Lord, I'm going to wait till you heal me now, and then I'm going to show myself to the priest, because I don't want to be duped, all right? Who knows how many things they've tried to be healed? No, 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 no. They didn't go off of what they saw. They went off of what he said. And friend, that's what great faith looks like. Let me ask you this, something I've had to ask myself. When is the last time we didn't go off of what we saw? We just simply went off of what he said. Maybe it's witnessing to somebody. Maybe it's starting family devotions again in your house. Um, maybe it's just doing the right thing every day, being faithful in your devotions. You know, it's easy when we see the response of people to be moved by them, isn't it? It's easy, good or bad, isn't it? Oh, we had such a great response, so God must be moving. Oh, we had a terrible response. That must not be what God wants. <laughs> How many times have we heard that from people? How many times have we done that in our own lives? Oh, this isn't the response, so this must not be God's will. <coughs> Friend, let's be a people that don't go off of what we see. Let's be a people that say, I'm going to go off of what he said. It's the promises and principles of God's word that are true. Men change. Men will always be changing. But this word's sure. It will never change. What God does in saving souls is based upon of what he said, not what we see. When I got saved, I didn't have fireworks. I didn't have any angels coming down singing Shekinah Glory. My mom was, but I mean, nobody else but you know what? I went off of what he said. Friend, when pastor gets up and he says, God's telling us to do this out of God's word, it's not what we see. It's what he said. And we step up by faith and do it. The principles of God's word are still true today. We just need to act upon it. You may think, well, my kids don't want to listen to the word of God. Don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said. I'm not getting these results. Nobody wants to listen to me at work. Don't go off of what you see. Go off of what he said. You think your ministry is rough. 120 years of preaching to the same exact crowd. Zero converts outside of the family. Zero. That's a tough ministry. <laughs> but what did Noah do? He didn't go off of what he saw. He went off of what God said. 
SVP 4K. Pass.